My name is Christian. And I'm Rob. And this is Faith 168. There are 168 hours in every week. And in those 168 hours, we need Jesus to make it through. So join us every week as we share devotions, talk about standing boldly in the Word of God, and answer tough questions submitted by you, our listeners. Welcome Welcome to to Faith 168. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you're listening uh, from right now. We just want to thank you for tuning in to listen to the Faith 168 podcast. My name is Christian. I'm here with our co-host, Rob, and we have a guest today. Uh, Rob, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, our guest today is Brandon Bramlett. He is the pastor of Locust Grove Baptist Church uh, in Murray, Kentucky. Uh, he is a good friend of ours. We do uh, ministry together uh, at uh, Hillcrest Baptist Camp in uh, Illinois, and he has been a, a good friend and a, a good um, good person to uh, to learn from, but also to uh, interact with. And uh, he actually is a published author. He's got a book, and maybe he'll tell you a little bit about that. Uh, but he's very insightful, very wise for his age. He's a little bit younger than us, but uh, nonetheless <laughs> wise uh, beyond his years. Uh, Brother Brandon, why don't you uh, do a short little introduction of yourself? Sure. Uh, thank you for that glowing introduction. I'm going to have to pray that the Lord would grant me a little <laughs> humility here. Uh, it is good to join these brothers today on this podcast. I love the idea of following Jesus faithfully and serving him all through the week and not just a few hours a week because of course he is worthy of all of our worship and devotion and it is good to be here today and yes as brother Robbie mentioned I do have a book out on Amazon which is a collection of devotions it's a 100 day devotional called Bible Gleanings which is based on my newspaper columns that I write here in the community. And uh, we're excited today to study the Word of God together, glean truth from His sacred Word, so that we may be encouraged to follow Jesus faithfully the whole week. Yeah. And I, I actually got to read a lot of Brandon's columns because I used to live in Murray as well. Uh, that's where we kind of connected and uh, got involved in ministry together was there and he he wrote a lot of great columns still writes a lot of great columns i don't see him as often as i used to because i don't get the same paper anymore but uh i would encourage you to check that out on amazon it causes quite a splash in the community too when he writes he likes <laughs> yes to it does some things up, so <laughs> but so today we're reading out of james again uh, and we're in james chapter one And we're going to read verse 12 through 15 to start out, and we're going to discuss that. So I'm going to ask our brother Brandon here to go ahead and read that for us. Sure, and just to locate this passage in its context, as you probably already know, James the Apostle is dealing with trials and testings. He began dealing with that in verses 2 to 4, where he encourages us to count all of our trials with joy because of the good work of perseverance that 
God is working in our hearts as we endure such trials and tribulations. And of course, he gives some practical wisdom following that passage concerning how we may endure these trials, that we ought to ask for wisdom when we're enduring these trials, that we ought to believe the Lord in faith with no doubting and some other things. And it seems that now in verses 12 to 15, he turns from what you might refer to as holy trials to unholy ones, from trials that befall us for whatever reason to now the temptations that we walk into because of our sinful nature. He gives some practical advice for how we might endure those as well. And he begins in verse 12 saying, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. All right, thank you for that. There's a lot to unpack uh, when we read through this passage. Uh, Brother Brandon, do you want to just go ahead and start out and tell us what you think? Sure. So at the very outset, James is encouraging us to endure not only our trials, um, our pains and, you know, difficult circumstances, but he's encouraging us to endure our temptations as well by saying that we are blessed when we do. Of course, the word blessed here is often used in scripture to refer to the blissful, the happy person, the one who has the favor of God in scripture. We are introduced to this blessed man as early as the first psalm, where the psalmist says, blessed is the man that basically avoids wickedness. He doesn't uh, take the counsel of the wicked. He doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers. Instead, he's the blessed man because he meditates on scripture. He follows the Lord faithfully. And of course, we know our Lord Jesus takes up the topic of blessedness in the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount of Matthew chapter 5, where he says we are blessed if we mourn. We are blessed if we hunger and thirst for righteousness. Uh, We are blessed when we are persecuted. And James just follows with that theme and says we are blessed and happy in the true sense when we remain steadfast under trial. When we stick stick it out, when we endure, when we persevere, when we are not crushed under the weight of our trials and temptations. Mm-hmm. And the reason he gives, of course, is that uh, as we endure our trials and tribulations, we receive a crown of life. We receive a great reward for so doing. Uh, which he says God has given to those who love him. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and, and I've got another question for you, Brandon, if you uh, don't mind answering this for me. But I know that you've dealt with this uh, in the past and also with writing your columns uh, for the newspaper in your town. But a lot of people might look at this and say, is this, uh, is this James writing 
about a work-based theology? Is this him saying that we have to, to work for our salvation to get it? Uh, and I'm not saying that it is. I don't believe that myself, but I've heard you explain things on uh, this topic many times uh, concerning that. Sure. So James is clearly not writing about working for salvation. Mm -hmm. He's writing instead about a salvation that works. That's right. A salvation that works itself out in life. Right. Um, later on, he talks about faith without works being dead. Mm -hmm. And of course, he's not referring to a faith that is accompanied by works. For we are saved and sanctified by faith alone, as plenty of the scripture attests to. Instead, he's talking about a faith that manifests itself, that is realized, evidenced by works and life change. And in this regard, when he's talking about trial and temptation, uh, one test of true faith is that we endure, that we overcome these temptations and prevail over them in triumph. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so these works, this endurance is all the product of faith. Sure. And so, yeah. So thank you for, for enlightening us on that. Uh, what about you, Robbie? What do you have to say about this passage? Yeah, absolutely. There's just a, a few things that I'll point out. This, this crown of, uh, of life, the, the word crown is a, uh, is a, a Greek word that would have been familiar with the people of the day as a crown that would be placed upon the head of the winner of a race. Uh, and so uh, what, what he's saying here is that if, if you live well and you uh, finish the race, uh, you will receive this crown as a uh, athlete uh, who would have, have won a race. And so uh, once again, as, as Brandon said, uh, this is not the achieving of salvation, uh, but this is the fact that um, with authentic faith, there's always action. Uh, there, there cannot be authentic faith uh, without action. And so uh, we look at Abraham. Uh, the New Testament uh, uses Abraham a, a lot. Uh, Paul uses Abraham. James is going to talk about Abraham uh, coming up uh, in the next uh, little bit. But uh, Abraham had faith, and it was accredited to him righteousness. And so because of his faith, he was given God's righteousness. Now, of course, that's uh, because of what Jesus did on the cross. The uh, The cross is, um, it, it does save us in the future, uh, or it, it does, it is applied to us now. Uh, but the blood of Jesus was actually applied to Abraham, and he was accounted in righteousness because of his faith. However, Abraham's faith um, was proven by his works, or or uh, looking at it a, a different way, because of his faith, um, Abraham worked for God, and ultimately that work came when uh, he took Isaac up on the mountain and, and offered him as a sacrifice. Um, of course, he, he didn't have to go through with it because God said, I will provide a lamb, and of right. course, that, that is a, a reference to Jesus himself. And that is how uh, Abraham was saved. But what we have to understand um, that uh, this crown of life is only given to those who have authentic faith. And, and one of the problems, and and I might let you touch on this a little bit, uh, uh, Christian, but uh, 
this idea of a, a sinner's prayer or uh, walking an aisle and, and repeating after a pastor or, uh, you know, going up and saying something and, and then you're good, having this fire insurance uh, is so foreign to Scripture, uh, yet it's preached by so many uh, all over the United States. Right. Um, we're, we're told that if we pray this prayer that we're good, uh, but as James is saying here is that we have to stand the test of time. The only way we can do that is through Jesus's blood uh, that encourages us or even makes us uh, do good works. In fact, if you look at New Testament uh, terminology, uh, even Jesus himself, he talks about he is the vine, we are the branches. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, uh, what produces the grape? Does the branch produce the grape, the fruit? No, the the, the vine does. And so uh, God's Holy Spirit is what produces good works in us. We can't claim that for ourselves. Uh, however, if we live for God, as James is talking about, we will receive this crown of life uh, as we have allowed uh, Jesus's works mm-hmm. to shine through us. Uh, this is shown here in First uh, Corinthians chapter nine, uh, verse twenty-five, where Paul says, "Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. Uh, they do it to receive a perishable wreath or, or crown, mm-hmm. uh, but we an imperishable one." And so, what that means is that uh, a an athlete is going to receive something that'll eventually uh, be be burned or or destroyed. Uh, however, the the wreath or the crown that we have is is eternal. Uh, similarly, the Apostle John in uh, Revelation uh, Revelations chapter two verse ten is recording Jesus's words to uh, the churches, and he says, "Do not fear what you are about to suffer." Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prisons that you may be tested. Uh, for ten days you will have tribulation, but faith, uh, be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. And so how do we receive this crown? Uh, we receive it by being faithful to God and, and living in the fruit uh, that he produces in our, our life simply by uh, being willing to, to serve him. Uh, Brother Christian, I'll let you uh, continue on there. Yeah, and to continue on what both of you are are saying is the only way to overcome temptation is not by our own means and our own ability, but by the deliverance of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, in the New King James, Paul writes, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And so the mark of faith is the ability to overcome temptation on our own. We would not be able to run this race. We would not be able to overcome these obstacles and overcome these temptations. So this work that we're seeing here, that's leading to this crown all starts first with faith in God who delivers us from temptation. And so the ability to overcome temptation is proof of faith, not uh, the purchase of faith, but the proof of a true faith uh, in you. And and then uh, 
we see that that God does not tempt anyone. That's that's this thing that I think we probably hear about a lot in society today. Well, why, if there's such a good and loving God, does he allow all these different things to happen? Why does he allow bad men and women to prosper? Why does he allow corruption and war and things like that? And the simple thing is, is God's not causing that to happen. God's not tempting man. God is never going to put you in a situation to make you fail. He has given us up, as you actually see in in Romans chapter 1, where Paul says he's given us up to our own desires. He's given us up to a debased mind. Uh, And we see that that it's the desire of man, the sinfulness of of man that that leads to that. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. And so when we set aside faith, when we don't look to God, when we succumb to temptation rather than allowing him to deliver us, that's when we see chaos. That's when we see destruction. That's when we see these bad things happening in the world. I like what Paul writes about sin and life. In Romans chapter 6, verse 20 through 23, where he says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So as sinfulness continues on in the life of man, what that always leads to is destruction. It always leads to death. Uh, It leads to chaos here in this world. It leads to something immediate, uh, destruction that is immediate, but it also leads to eternal condemnation, eternal destruction, eternal death. Uh, but the gift of God, everything that is good, is of, of God. So it, when God gives, he doesn't give destruction. He doesn't give chaos. He doesn't rub our face in the dirt. When God gives, he gives life. He gives good things. Yeah. He gives peace. He gives joy. And he He gives us the ability to stand and overcome temptation. And that kind of leads into what we're going to read next in verse 16 through 18. And I'm going to ask Brother Brandon to go ahead and read that for us. Okay. Verse 16 through 18, James says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. All right, if you want to, you can go ahead and elaborate for us. Sure. So, just to add, uh, this is related, what, what James says here is related to what he covered in verses 13 to 15 specifically, where Chris alluded to the fact that the source of our temptations are not God. They are always rooted back to our roots, to our sinful nature. And when James 
began to talk about temptation there, it may seem a little bit of abrupt or interrupting his thought about trials. But actually one point he's making is that many times our trials can become temptations. Uh, when we are tested, we can be led into a temptation to be frustrated, to have doubt or whatever it may be. And here he sort of returns back in verses 16 to 18 to this idea of God's goodness. That's what that's one of the points he made in verses 13 to 15. We are not tempted by God because God is good. He doesn't tempt anyone. And here he talks about all the good things that come from God that also help us to endure these trials and temptations. Uh, these good and perfect things that come from God. They will continue to come from God because, as James says here, God doesn't change. There's no variation within him. Uh, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so he is encouraging us here that we can rely on his goodness in these trials and temptations because that is at least one thing that doesn't change. Our circumstances change from day to day. True. The shape of temptations and trials and their fashion and form change from week to week. Mm -hmm. God doesn't. And that's our anchor of truth we can rely on. Right. Like Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Correct. There's there's no variation. There's no uh, turning from this hand to the next hand. Uh, and when we look at the one of the defining natures of God in, in being loving, as we read in First John, he is love, uh, means that he's not going to do anything hateful. It means that he's not going to bring us down, but everything that he gives us is for our benefit, our edification, namely starting with our salvation. That's where faith begins, of course, is in salvation. And that's the greatest gift he gives us is saving us from that sin that condemns us, lifting us up. And from that point forward, working on us, taking care of us, leading us in the path of his righteousness. So thank you for that, Brother Brandon. Brother Rob, what do you got to say about that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the first thing that I'll say um, is uh, uh, for the temptation part, the the fact that um, we're doing this podcast uh, to help us live 168 hours a week uh, for Jesus, to, to live in his presence, to, to worship him, to honor him. And, and so one of the things we want to do is we want to apply the scripture. We don't want to just know the truth. Uh, we must apply the truth. And some ways that, uh, that God's word elaborates on this and how we can apply this, uh, one can be found in Romans chapter 13, verses 12 through 14. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cut off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly, properly as in the daytime, not in orgies, in drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarreling or jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And so how do we overcome this temptation? It's, as you said, Brother, Brother Christian, by putting on Jesus Christ. We put him on. It's like putting on the armor of God. We put him on and we're able to overcome these things. We focus on him. We we live for him and he will help us to overcome. 
Um, I love this idea of the night uh, is far gone and the day is at hand. Of course, this is referring to the old and the new, um, the days of our sin uh, ruling over us, death having its victory in us uh, is gone. We have been saved on purpose for a purpose. The day is at hand and we must live in Christ. We must put off darkness and put on light. And of course, God is the the author of light. Uh, and then going on in, into what we're looking at here in, in verses 16 uh, through 18, uh, we, we have to look um, at the fact uh, of God's nature and who he is. And, and Brother Brandon did such a great job of that. But I want to uh, to give an illustration. Um, right now, uh, as we are recording this, it's 9 58 a.m. and uh, it's bright outside. Right yeah, uh, <laughs> the, the there's light outside. I, I know there's light outside because I'm looking at the security cameras uh, at church and I see uh, that everything's lit up. Um, that means that the sun is out. However, when it's dark, does that mean the sun doesn't exist, uh, that, that it's not uh, still burning? Uh, of course not. Uh, just as the sun is always shining, even though we might not see it, God is always good. He, he never changes, as, as we've talked about. And so we must understand that even in the middle of trials, uh, God is working everything uh, together uh, for the good of those who are, who are in him and who are called by his purpose. Uh, and he is the uh, the the father of of light. He is uh, light itself. Uh, he is the light of the world, as as, as Jesus uh, said about himself. And uh, and so we see that he is he is perfect and he is good, and that he's bringing all things together uh, for our good. There's no uh, shadow within him. There's no darkness at all. Uh, and so everything that he does is on purpose. Uh, you can think back to to Joseph, and uh, I, I'm just I'm reading through the Bible uh, this year, and I, I just got through um, uh, with with Joseph a few weeks ago, and you see that his brothers are going to kill him, and then they decide to throw him in a pit and let him starve to death. Uh, but then they see that they can actually make money off of him, and so they sell him into slavery instead of letting him die. And then he does everything right. Uh, of course, he's a human. He has sin nature, and so he's going to fail some. Uh, but the Bible uh, talks about Joseph primarily and, and pretty much only in a positive light, talking about the good that he does. Uh, yet, even though he does good, um, because he's refusing to sleep with his master's wife, he's thrown into prison. He's thrown into prison for being a good guy, for, for doing what was right, for respecting his master, uh, but then even in prison, he he does what's right, and he's uh, he's projected and he, he's he's brought up uh, to where he's the the second in command um, of all of Egypt. Uh, and then, of course, we know that God used every single bad situation, every single trial, uh, whether it was an uh, was an uh, inward uh, a struggle or a trial, or or whether it was a um, an outward sh struggle or, or trial that other people brought upon himself. Um, he he trusted in God, and God used every situation for His good, God's own good, but also 
for Joseph's good, and also the people of God, their good. Without Joseph, and without God's provision in Joseph's life, the people of God would have never went to Egypt, and they would have never grown to be the great nation of Israel, and we would have never had God's word. We would have never had Jesus, and so God's hand of, uh, of provision uh, is working through Joseph in each one of these bad things. So as we contemplate these things, we have to understand that um, that just because bad things are, are happening and just because it doesn't always seem uh, from our perspective that, that God is good or, or making good things happen, that he is using every situation to bring about his good. And ultimately, in the end, he will give us that crown of life. He will wipe away the tears from our eyes. Uh, he will um, greet us with a hug and a kiss as the prodigal son father did. He will welcome us home and forever we will be with him. He will be our God and we will be his people. But here and now we have to learn to withstand. We have to, to learn um, we, we have to learn to determination. We have to, to run that race. Uh, and we have to trust that God is good and, and working all things together uh, for our good, even even if, if if all hell breaks loose in our life, God is working. Right. Brother Christian? Yeah. yeah. Man, y'all leave no stone unturned pretty much. It's hard to <laughs> top anything you all say. So I'll just look at one word here, first fruits. Yeah, um, absolutely. There's a huge debate we could have on first fruits, but yeah. I'm going to go to the simplest form of the understanding that we have in this passage of first fruits and the word first fruits here uh, comes from the Greek word aparke, which is a compound of two other Greek words, uh, but it means the beginning of sacrifice. Uh, we also see throughout scripture that first fruits refers to the best yeah. that the harvest produces. And so what we see in this, when we look at the word first fruits, is that we are the best of God's creations bestowed with the best he has to offer and bought at the highest price. Yeah. And, and so that reminds me, you know, when we think about uh, sacrifice, about what Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I appeal, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And we are called to, to be that sacrifice. We are called to give ourselves wholly over to him. And when we become that sacrifice, when we become a part of that first fruit, the, the best of his creation in return, we're talking about those good works. He gives us the best that he has to offer. He works out those great works in us through the Holy spirit. And so it all starts, I think right there is the sacrifice. That's where faith begins really is when you yeah. realize, Hey, I am a sinner. I have the separation between me and God. I am deserving of eternal condemnation in hell and the only way to get past this is to sacrifice myself, put myself to the side, and put Christ before me. 
uh, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives through me. In the life that I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. And so that sacrifice is at the very beginning of your faith. And when you put yourself aside, you let Christ live through you. And if you want to live your best life, I think that's what everyone wants to do. That's what everyone talks about. That's what all these celebrities want to present to you. Live your best life now. Well, there's not going to be some self-help group that can actually lead you to living your best life now. There's so much effort put into those things. There's so much money that you have to put into those things. And for everything you put into it, it always seems to work out for a little bit, but then you fall back. Like I tried to go on a diet. I tried to live my best life now. I trusted an ad that said I was going to lose weight. And you know what? When I followed the instructions, I started to lose weight. But it was just too much for me to do. Because I, I had to follow this strict regimen. I had to follow this list of rules of what to do and what not to do. And we see this, you know, understanding that that's just like Christianity. When you try and live out Christianity by like this list of rules of what to do and what not to do, you're always going to fall short. You're always going to mess up because you can't do it. It starts with sacrifice, putting yourself to the side and putting Christ in front of you. And he's the one who leads you into the best life you can live. It's not that you've achieved it. It's not by your means. It's not by your ability. It's by the finished work of Christ and his Holy Spirit that he has given us as a promise through faith uh, that helps us to overcome these temptations, that helps us to overcome these trials. And so, for example, when I listen to my wife concerning this diet and I let her make all the decisions, it's not near as hard to follow the diet. So I literally just quit giving into this diet. And now my wife makes all of the food for me. Uh, she, <laughs> she makes sure that I keep up with these healthy things because for some reason I just cannot do it. She has a greater will. She has more willpower than I do in these things. And so when I realized that she was a lot better at keeping up with this stuff than I am and let her overtake this regimen, then all of a sudden it's easy to lose weight and I don't feel like I'm suffering near as much for some reason. <laughs> so uh, it's the same way with Christ. We'll suffer when we try and live our best life on our own. But when we just put ourselves aside and follow Jesus, let him do the leading, let him do the talking, let him do the walking, then it actually becomes pretty easy. Do y'all have anything to say in closing to that? Yeah. I was going to add, um, Chris, you're expounding verse 18 by way of illustration so wonderfully because clearly what James is referring to in verse 18 is the believer's new birth or conversion. Yeah, absolutely. And he says, it was not by our own 
inclination, intuition, or willpower that we were brought forth by the word of truth, the gospel. It was by the exercise of his own will, uh, making the point that we are born again by the grace of God, by his good sovereign work. And what's amazing is, doesn't verse 18 seem so abrupt? I mean, James has been talking about trials and temptations and the goodness of God and his grace that he lends us to endure those trials. And then suddenly he seems to change topics and reminds us of our conversion and how it was due to God's grace alone. But as you will often find from the scriptures, when there is a verse or a word or phrase that seems sort of like an interruption or uh, something abrupt, it's actually those verses and passages that teach us the most. And the point that he's making here in bringing up our conversion is that our conversion is the best example that we have of God's goodness. Right. Been making the point that God's good. He doesn't tempt us with trial uh, with uh, temptations. He doesn't br- he doesn't bring evil upon us. He only gives us good. He only wants us uh, to experience good. And the greatest gift, the greatest expression of his goodness we have is our own salvation. Yes. If God was good enough to save our wretched souls, he's good enough to help us endure trials and temptations. Right. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And and I would add about the, the first fruits. And so going back into... Uh, Old, Old Testament thinking, uh, the first fruits were holy. And by holy, we don't mean that they were, um, you know, they, they were to be worshipped. What, what holy means is to be set apart. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so the first fruits were set apart for a purpose. That purpose was an offering or a sacrifice to God. It, they were gods. In the same way, uh, just as, as uh, Brother Brandon just said, uh, this first fruit is is our conversion, uh, but it also shows us the purpose of our conversion to be set apart as holy mm-hmm. in all of His creation. That is, we have a purpose. Uh, we we have a, a um, we are holy. We are set apart for a reason, and that is to bring glory and honor to Him. Yes. And one of the greatest ways uh, that we can do that uh, is by living in his grace, in his mercy, and showing that, uh, that letting that light shine through us and letting other people see the light of Christ in us. Um, and, and so as the first fruits of, of, of his creation, we must uh, be set apart for his work uh, because he is so good. Right. Uh, he deserves it. Uh, and so I just wanted to, to throw that out there. All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us today. Uh, We hope that you are enjoying this study through the book of James. And we're going to ask Brother Brandon to dismiss us in prayer today. Absolutely. And I hope this podcast has encouraged you to follow Jesus this week and to trust him as you endure trials and temptations. So let's pray for his grace to help us do that. Oh, Lord, we thank you for Uh, the gift that you give us in trials. You are developing our spiritual muscles and deepening our 
faith and resolve as we endure pain and trouble and tribulation and storm. Uh, we also thank you that you give us grace to endure the temptations that are brought forth from our own sinful nature. We thank you that you give us good and perfect things and that you've given us the greatest gift in the salvation purchased by your son. We pray, Lord, that you'd help us all to endure and persevere our through our trials and temptations with uh, all the grace necessary we need. And we just thank you for your, your goodness, your mercy, and your love. We pray you'd bless us in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for joining us today, Brother Brandon. Thank you so much, our listeners, for joining us today. Yes, we you. look forward to talking to you more next week. But have a wonderful week. May God bless you, and we love you. See you next week. Thanks for joining us today. Every week has its trials and tribulations, and we want to encourage you to seek Christ during those times. We want to pray for you during those times. So look us up on Facebook by typing in Faith168 Podcast and send us a message. It can be a prayer request, or maybe you want us to answer a question that you've been contemplating. Just send us a message. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we will see you again in 168 hours.